Woke Bay. Don't think I forgot <laughs> about your nickname. <laughs> I'm so glad you didn't say that. Are we? Can we still say woke? I feel yeah. like we can't say it anymore. I know it's getting a little used, mm-hmm. right? But I, but I have to say, woke bay is a great. They'll be like, "Do you have the next door app? You woke." No. <laughs> Anytime it starts going down that road, you yeah. like, all right, it's they gentrified it. Yeah. There's no question. Exactly, they did. But it's inappropriate. People nicknaming you woke bay was a great name. It was at the time. At the time, yes, it was. very well. She's she's a little more. I'll allow. Woke. She'll allow. <laughs> As you all know, 2020 is a huge election year where I can only hope we'll be swearing in a new president, but I digress. Part of this political process, though, it's important that you have people who can help you sift through the bullshit. And my guest today does that exceptionally well. You've seen her all over CNN. Uh, She's one of the sharpest political minds, period, with a T. And not just on television. She's worked on Capitol Hill. And in addition to being one of the smartest political pundits on television, she also is one of the most well-dressed women in these streets. Slays all day. It is my pleasure to welcome to today's podcast, the pundit, the all-around badass, Angela Rye. We will talk about her career and her journey into politics and what it was like interning for Congresswoman Maxine Waters, also known as Auntie Maxine, and why Angela Rye calls herself Sophista Ratchet. Angela Rye, she is up next on Jamel Hill is Unbothered. I am so glad you are here, Angela Rye, not just because I enjoy your company, not just because I think you're one of the most brilliant political commentators in the game, but because people will finally believe me about this Beyonce story because I experienced it with you. What was the Beyonce Remember story? We went to, so how could you forget? I didn't know what you were talking about. You okay. didn't tell me. I didn't oh, get a warning. Oh, you mean Beyonce that many times? <laughs> I, have, I have had the opportunity now she gonna boss to be, on me. no, okay. no yes. to, be, to be graced with her presence. Yes. Um, but no. So Soul cycle. I, I thought you were going to talk about it. Something on Twitter. No. Okay. So yeah, Soul Cycle for Soul sure. Cycle. But you know, I'm I boycott Soul Cycle now. Because of uh, the Dolphins holder, mm-hmm. Stephen Ross. I have not been since. And I think it's impacted my mental health. Really? Mm-hmm. Is Angela, the, obviously the other Angela, yes. the famous Angela Soul Manuel Cycle teacher. Davis. Is she still teaching there? She just had her last class and okay. I'm elated because that means, Jamel, we get to go work out and do something else and not give Soul Cycle our money. Yes. If they're a sponsor of this podcast, it's too bad. They're I'm not. throwing all the shade. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would have told you that beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I still might have been like, don't want to No, no, no. They're, they're on the list. <laughs> don't worry about it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I've told that story a few times, but I don't think I've ever told people who I was with. Because, yeah. see, I was trying to keep your life a secret. You know what I'm saying? Oh, well, now it's fine because we don't go no more. <laughs> right, right? Exactly. So, like, tell them all. So, yes, y'all, I was with Angela Rye. She took me to my very first and so far only Soul Cycle class. You didn't go back? You I were going to bring the boo. I, I was. And then schedules, you know how that is. And I got, um, I doubled down on doing hot yoga. 
Oh so yeah, we, I, can we go to warm yoga? You know that, that hot yoga makes my head pound. Does need it? to find a warm yoga? Okay, you said warm. Serious, you like have warm yoga, like hot yoga. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I don't drink enough water. Okay, confession. But I think it like every time I've been, my head is throbbing for like the rest of the day. Mm, you might be dehydrated. I'm so, sure. So what's the kind of yoga you're talking about? Warm yoga is a little bit cooler. <laughs> See, I like to punish myself when I work out. That's okay, I'm gonna go one more time. If my head hurts, I'm gonna be mad at you for a week. Wait, do you go? Do you do the Bikram or do you do like what? I don't kind? do it. Okay, you said you went in your head. Oh, hurt. oh, I what did. Kind? No, but I don't remember where I was. One time was in DC, and okay. one time was actually here in LA. All right, but I don't remember where. Okay, we'll do some. We'll do some. I yoga pushed bar. it out of my memory. It was. <laughs> it was that painful memory. Yes. <laughs> but nevertheless, it was. Um, That's the most LA moment I've had since I've lived here in Los Angeles was oh my gosh. you walk into a soul cycle class and it's Jay-Z and Beyonce. I'm the bike. I was like, oh okay. I love that. The thing that I love about um Angela and like the environment she creates for her friends and for the people who go and train with her is that like nobody matters. Your status doesn't matter. Like everybody got the same hill to climb and the same workout to do. And so I love that. Like people Leave them alone in that class. There's no selfies or nothing crazy. Like they can just be themselves. I'm sure they appreciate that too. There's probably not many places they can go anywhere in the country and you, have that. And I didn't realize um, Angela, the Soul Cycle teacher. I didn't realize she was famous like that. She is. Everybody knows who she so is. So dope. Yeah. And like, and for good reason. Like she's earned every stripe she has. Yeah, she's very positive. You should I have love, her on the podcast. I would love to because I love her energy and because um, you introduced well, let me, me connect to y'all. Yes, because yes. you introduced us. Yeah. When another, um, I guess, key moment for you happened when you met the Angela Davis. I was yeah. there at UCLA. You Not only were you there, you moderated, moderated the conversation. <laughs> what are you doing today? Her and you talked about me burying the lead. Like, what do you mean it was this? I was like... <laughs> Jamel, you moderated a conversation with the legendary Angela Davis, who we were both named after, and we found that out. I think like you that found week. it out right there in the yeah. green room because I was there. I witnessed the mm-hmm. moment, so it was um, special for me because I didn't realize you hadn't met her, despite the fact that you said you. I you had know. never met her, and it was a light. Like if I died that day, I would have been like dreams fulfilled, mission accomplished. Yeah, and she's. I mean, I always knew she was brilliant, mm-hmm. right? But hearing her in person, oh my god, it was. It, it, that was one of the tougher moderating jobs that I've ever done because I just wanted to sit and stare and listen to listen to her. Yeah, I was I like, bet. oh, I got to come up with a question now. Okay, you did. Well, you did very well. I tried, but she look. I just was trying not to crash the Ferrari, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> you did not. All you right. did not. You pulled up nicely. So, um, yeah, I mean, so much. There's so much I want to know about you, and uh, I feel like uh, because you do commentary, so uh, and people know you from the political stuff, mm-hmm. that there's a lot about you that we still don't know. But lately, I've noticed that you've been much more open on a personal level mm-hmm. about some of the things that you've gone uh, gone through. In particular, um, the conversation with black women when you talked about freezing your eggs mm-hmm. and. Um, your desire to to have children. So I, I guess why don't we we start there? What made you decide to freeze your eggs? Before I answer that, yeah. I want to talk about that moment because what I thought was fascinating, um, not in the conversation because it's like if you were around the table or sitting with your girlfriends having a conversation, you bearing it all, you share everything. But I was fascinated, like on Instagram, the response I got back and the number of people that had their own stories and felt comfortable sharing there and like being like, thank you so much for doing this. And I'm like, 
I didn't know y'all want. You can know everything. I'll tell you the time I go to the bathroom if you really like. I didn't know. <laughs> you didn't know that many wanted people wanted to know no. that about you. What? No, I Angela. did. I was. I'm serious. I was like, wow. Like you care about that. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to share with you all of the challenges and all the triumphs if you really want to know. But I was shocked. Um, not in a bad way. And then and then just humbled by the fact that people would go on and share stories of miscarriages and hysterectomies and cancer and, you know, all of their own um, moments. And just like, wow, like whatever I did to deserve being a part of, you know, your journey. And, and then I was like, well, I'm fascinated by their stories too. So maybe it's just like that common bond of like humanity, given the day and age we live in, but I will not go down that road just yet. Um, why did I freeze my eggs? So I'm about to be 40 this weekend. This is a milestone birthday year for you. Yes, apparently. Mm-hmm. And um, what I was, I had like someone who's like a big sister to me named Donna Bird. And Donna um, used to be the publisher of The Root. She used to tell me all the time, like, freeze your eggs, freeze your eggs, freeze your eggs. And I'd be like, why? I mean, you know, it's like 32 goes by, 33 goes by, 34 goes by. And like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And I think in my mind, at least, I had an, an age where I knew I would be married and knew I would have kids. And so I don't need to do that. That's what I older well, what was What was the age in your mind? Well, you know what was really crazy? When I was in undergrad, I was like, by the time I'm 24, I'll be married and on my Did way you to say having 24? four kids. What? So stupid. What are you talking? Who? What okay. are you talking about? It was insane. So anyway, I used to say that. And then it was like right when I got out of law school. And so the age would keep pushing back. But it was like, okay, by next year, two years, whatever. And so um, by the time, I guess I was 37, 38 when I froze my, I can't remember now. 38, I think. Um, Was I 38? I was 38. When I froze my eggs and I just, I was starting the process right around my 38th birthday. That's why I'm confused about 37, 38. And um, was talking to my boyfriend at the time about doing that. We ended up getting in an argument. And I was like, you know, it's one of those moments where you're like, it's not a pressure moment. I'm not trying to like, like not saying, manipulate you right. into doing something because I want to do it. I'm like looking for a base of support. Like, this is something I want to do. I want to preserve my eggs at this point right now because the you learn that like the quality of the egg continues to decrease as you get older. So I was talking to him, and it was like it turned into this whole argument at like 1 in the morning. And I was like, I'm going home. I went home. And um, every time I brought it up, it was another issue. you know. And I'm like, yo, I'm just trying to like do what's best for me. This has nothing to do with you. And then um, right around the time where I was, getting, I was getting ready to go through the actual procedure, it was after the top of the year, we broke up. On New Year's Eve. Oh, that's and the I worst. Went, yeah. Oh. We, we, I went through the egg freezing process like on my own. But I think it was the best thing that could have happened. And the reason for that was I didn't realize as strong as I am, I am or as strong as I'm perceived how codependent I was in relationships. I didn't realize that as much as I was saying this egg freezing process was for me, I was still dependent on someone else to support me through that process and I didn't need that, right? I do believe that we're designed to be interdependent, but if I need you or need someone, that's codependency and it transitions out of what is healthy, a healthy balance of holding space for people. So it was this incredible process and someone who's like um, a big sister to me told me like right at the beginning, she was like, you got to get your mind right. I know you just went through a breakup, but you can't have no stressed out eggs. 
right? And it's like, who says stuff like that? Sante, I love you, by the way. But it was it was such a game-changing moment, as simple as that advice was. I was like, oh my God, I do have to get my mind right. If they if I, you know, produce these eggs in this environment, what kind of eggs will they be? So I went through this whole process, like every night I'm listening to spa music, I'm lighting candles, I'm gonna do all these things to create wellness and balance in my space, and I still do all of them now. So it really was like a paradigm shifting moment, not just about freezing the eggs, but also like what kind of environment do I want in my home and what kind of environment do I want for myself, for my body, for the people around me? And so that's what I've tried to do. So what is that process like when you freeze your eggs? Like physically, you talked about mentally what you had to go through. Physically, what do you have to go through? First of all, the shots. You have to, you're supposed to give yourself shots um, every day, and I cannot do I was looking at it, and I'd be like, oh. So I had the nurse come to my house every day and just pay the fee to, like, oh. yeah. But I was like, I can't I can't shoot myself, like, in lots of ways. I can't do it. <laughs> right. So I was like, I'm just going to have to pay this fee. So you have to do that. You, it starts getting tender. Like, they alternate sides Same. where your ovaries oh, are. Okay. Yeah, either ovary. Um, and the idea is to create enough hormones for the egg situation to be like su- a super fertile ground. Um, the procedure is fast, and they tell you to like, you know, take it easy the next couple of days. The next day after I froze my eggs, I went to Sundance, and like three days later, I did snowmobiling. So that caused some spotting, but I'm so glad I went snowmobiling. <laughs> it was so fun. I had never been. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was. I just feel like it was a spiritual experience for me, um, in a lot of ways. And after I froze my eggs, I was like, I'm cool. I'm, I may not even use the eggs. I don't even know if I want kids. It was. It released like this. I gotta have babies now. It released that off me. Now I feel like I'm back to that though. You're back to you want kids. Yeah, it's been almost. It'll be two years in January when I froze. So now I'm like, all right, I'm ready. Oh, when wow. I have kids. Okay. Yeah. Um. But I would imagine, though, that that's a tough process in the sense that were you also, as you're thinking this, that not only are you going through the process of freezing your eggs, um, being interdependent, as you put Mm -hmm. it, but facing a possibility or at least entertaining the possibility that your child rearing, you may just do that by yourself. Did you, is that something you also thought about? No? Okay. No, I mean, it's, that's too hard. Okay. So, yeah, if I can't, like, co-parent with somebody, I'm not trying to do that. That's okay, hard. so you're not going to go go yeah. with solo. Cause I, I have know a so- co-parenting dynamic right now with my god kids, and I have them every other week by myself. It's hard. It is really hard. Like, the first couple weeks I had them, I called my mom and dad. I was like, you guys, I just want to say thanks because this is so hard. And my mom is laughing. I'm like, bro, I'm on the edge of tears here, verge of tears. Like, what are you doing? And she's like, I know. I'm like, wow. How old are your your guy kids? Nine and 15. And um, my cousin and I were raised like sisters. She asked me to be their godmom when they were born. And Well, actually, with Javon, it was later. It was like when Ryan was born, I got both of them. And um, her husband was killed in a motorcycle accident uh, a few years ago. And the dynamic has just changed. I remember taking Jay. He was 12, like the day after his dad died in the car. And I was like... Okay, I don't know how to be a good guy, mom, and definitely not like this. So we're gonna learn this together, okay? And he was like, okay. And it's been like that ever since. We've been rolling. So what has surprised you the most as you've taken this um, sort of deeper journey into parent parenting? What have you What have you learned about parenting in that in this time? You don't have your own time unless you make it. Um, 
I like have been the type of person, even in adulthood, that resents a schedule or being too scheduled. Like, no, I need to have this open space to do that. If you do that, you will lose your entire day. It's like regimented. Like, this is what time we're getting up to do yoga. This is what time we're getting up to, or, to, or after that, we're going to do gratitude. Then I'm making lunches. Then I'm, hopefully I made most of the lunch the night before. Then we're doing smoothies in the morning. Maybe some turkey bacon. You don't even want that. You brought your whole lunch back and you didn't eat none of it. I packed that. What are you, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it is like, it's crazy. And it sounds so easy. It's like, it's not that hard to pack a lunch. No, that actually does not sound easy. It is so <laughs> crazy. And then it's like homework. And it's like a tantrum happens. And then go to the room and read what it says on your wall. I feel like a drill sergeant. You know what I mean? It's like, no, come in. Let's go. It's like, <laughs> it is so great. Lay your clothes out. Did you put your towel up? Where is it? It's like, oh, my God. It's like, Wow. Okay. It is like and wow. You still want children of yeah, your own? Huh? <laughs> I do. I do. Because part of it is like, um, I feel like with my parents, and this is, I think that we're not, we're not divorced. This is my cousin, right? But it's like when you have two different environments, two different ways of doing things. My cousin Mia is so calm and chill, and I'm not. So there are things that like she might let go, or she might, you know, hone in on that I don't. And so when they're in with me. We're focused on one set of things when they're with my cousin. They're focused on a different set of things. Both important, but just different. And so it's like, all right, if I have a, like, I'm with my husband and we're raising kids and we have the same set of values and have agreed on certain priorities, I feel like that's a little bit easier, you know? And it really depends on the temperament of the child. Jay, the older one, has always been, like, laid back. Best kicking it partner, best sous chef you know we had taco tuesday yesterday jay was making it happen but the other one is like hey what's going on let's go you know he's just like Ball active life of the oh my god it's like wait wait we're going sit down where you going? you know it's like yeah <laughs> so it just depends on okay. and then it's like when they're not there i'm like i miss them let me facetime them so yeah i still want to do it it sounds like torture but it's not i feel like i'm a better person because they're there to reflect back to me my shortcomings, the things that I do well. Um, and even like the the times where like Jay called me, I hope I did not cry, I'm such a punk. Jay called me and was like, I just want you to know you're the best godmom ever. And I was like, don't do that, I'm about to cry. You know, and it's the times where you feel like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. What if I like permanently traumatize them? Like, you know? So, yeah. Well, maybe you should consider feeding them real bacon as opposed to turkey bacon. <laughs> that might be a start. Right now, I'm considering being a pescatarian, so they're going to be real bad. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. So I, what is it like, though, trying to um, raise kids essentially in 2019? Because I, I think about it and with not just social media, but just the amount of information, not all of it good, and what they're exposed to. Just thinking about, you know, because we're around the same age, what I was exposed to at that age. I cannot imagine what you have to do oh, now. Oh, my God. So I'm going to get in trouble because Jay's going to be like, why are you telling on my business? But over the summer, we had a situation um, on his phone. He had a shadow Instagram account with, like, big booty hoes on the Instagram. <laughs> I don't even know what else to call it. But it was like... <laughs> I was like, what is happening on this phone? You know, and and so what you find is I'm like, okay, 
you have to like go back to your teenage years or your preteen preteen years. My truth is, I was cussing like a sailor. Oh, at I was 10. too. At ten, I was bad. At ten, you know, my truth is, for when the Doggy Style album dropped, my cousin put it in the my 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 parents' planter. I took it on a ski trip and knew the whole album when I got back. I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. You know, my, I was listening to Two Life Crew. Well, then there's that. Then Speaking <laughs> of big booty. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, I mean, but the point is, like, you have to put yourself back in their shoes and talk to them like it is what it is. And so we have conversations. I'm like, okay, God, mom, God, sometime, let's talk. We talked about everything. Like, this is what you're going to be exposed to. It's some nasty girls out here. They might be doing this. <laughs> I, you know, like, there was a girl growing up. Um, this is so much information, but there's a girl growing up and I told him she played football on a little league, um, football team. And like the, the word on the street was she had given almost the entire football team head. So I told him about that. I was like, yo, you got to be careful of this and that. Like, don't be overexposed to this stuff. And I, cause I don't know what he knows and what he doesn't know. I do know he cusses cause he accidentally put me on a group, um, message on, um, Instagram. And I was like, wrong one. And I texted him on the side. I was like, what you talking about, Willis? You know, you don't know who Willis is. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they're overexposed. And I think the responsibility is to not be like, oh my God. You know, I remember the conversation, the only conversation I really ever had with my mom about sex. I was like, my cousin told me they had to hump to have me. I was like, did you guys have to hump to have me? When I was six. You know, I'm like nagging her. She's walking in the door to go to my grandma's house. And I'm like, Mommy, did you? Did you? And she's like, yes, Angela, yes. Screen door shuts behind her into the sex conversation. Can't talk about that. I do not want to have that relationship with my kids or my guy kids. Like, let's just lay it all out there so that we are clear about what it is, why, where, and no. You know? <laughs> why, where, and no? <laughs> <laughs> right? Or at least, like, be responsible. But Yeah. yeah. Well, see, I that's I say that's why I don't know if I can handle that because uh, even though I was a good student and I was on the honor roll, I was also sneaky as hell because yeah. I always I tell um, some of my men friends who have girls, I was like, girls, we mature faster. We also are way better at sneaking around than than little boys are. And that's what makes you think about Niasha. Niasha is um, the daughter of my ex boyfriend. I've been in her life since she was four months. She, I call her Poots. That is like my daughter. She's at Southern now and at Southern University. And the stuff that she's been exposed to, the stuff that we've gone through with her, like high school, all this stuff, she's like, it's so funny. We would tell her, we'd be like, yo, you do the same stuff we did, but you get caught. Like, you're not even good at it. Just do something different. <laughs> Just do something different. Just do something different. You're not good at this. <laughs> You know, right. it's like, just focus on school, please, because this over here is not working for you. Yeah, see, my mama was the FBI, the CIA, all of them. I was yeah. like, oh, I had to I had to masturbate a plan for weeks. Yeah. And it wasn't, and I couldn't wait till I got like real good and grown, not like a little grown. Like I waited till I was just like in my 30s and I was like, you know, in them half days. Yeah. Nope, I lied every time. <laughs> It was a full day, so you thought. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I was kicking. Yeah. So that, to me, That's is so like, real. oh, God, the devious mindsets of kids, and especially now they have social media. It's so crazy. they can really, um, you know, kind of get into a lot of trouble. But let's talk about what kind of child you were, especially since yeah. 
you know, your dad's an activist, yes. right? So you grew up in a woke household. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what was that like? Um, so on the activism side, I think it's hilarious. My dad is always like, well, you know, you've been protesting since you were two. And I was like, that wasn't by <laughs> choice, sir, like, just to be clear. But I do think that um, going back to this idea of Angela Davis, like being reared in a household where I knew who she was and the shoes that would need to needed to that needed to be filled to carry that name um was like crazy like okay what am i going to do to live out my purpose in this earth I always felt like i'm supposed to do something like i don't know what it is i don't know that i figured it out still as i just get ready to cross the bridge to 40 but know that it's something and um i think the dopest thing about my parents um, my mom is less of an activist in the traditional sense, but more of one in the higher education space where she was an administrator. Um, she's retired now, but they always let me believe that I could do anything I put my mind to. And so I could argue with them, you know, on political issues. I could have, I remember talking to my dad about evolution, like, oh, we learned this in biology. He's like, I don't know about you. I ain't come from no damn monkey, okay? You know, like, <laughs> just having, like, real conversations about so much. Um, there was a book called, I think it was Beyond the Pale White Horse, Beyond the Pale Horse that came out back in the day, this conspiracy theory book. And I was like, Dad, let me tell you about this. He was like, now that sounds crazy as hell. But, like, we could have conversations like that. Um, but they're just incredible. To this day, I say those are my road dogs, and they are, like, my favorite, favorite people. But it was great growing up with them. So you were conscious of of race and being, like, a, a black girl very early, it I didn't like. know it any other way. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, and they and it was intentional, and it was a good thing. Like, I didn't grow up being black and ashamed. Um, I grew up being black and proud, hearing songs that said that, Um, being a part of campaigns that affirmed that, Um, having black dolls and black art and black books, like all of that, know that that's a point of privilege for me. Um, But I'm so grateful for it. Mm, So how did did you decide that you wanted to pursue law? Though I can kind of see it now. If Mm -hmm. you were debating and having critical thinking, um, you know, in your own house, I, mm-hmm. I very easily see why you wanted to be a, a lawyer. Yeah. But what made you? I feel like people started telling me really early, like, oh, you like to argue, you should be a lawyer, you know? Um, and my dad I always felt like, I say all the time, like he's violating ethics laws uh, left and right for lawyers because he definitely, I say UPL and unauthorized practice of the law. That dude. It stays involved in some type of legal issue to help the community. But I'm like, you should have went to law school Um, because we are so, so much alike. And I think that um, I know I had this Cabbage Patch scrapbook when I was six, and I wanted to be two things, a librarian. That's how I spelled it, (laughs) L-I-B-E-R-R-Y-A-N, because I love my Aunt Brenda was a librarian, and I loved her. Um, I love her, too. She's still alive. And um, a lawyer, which I spelled L-O-Y-E-R. And those were the things that I wanted to be, I think, because so many people told me. Um, And then as I got older, there were people who I looked up to. I was like, what do they do? And all of them were lawyers. Um, Johnny Cochran was one of them. And like watching the OJ trial um, and being so into it, I had a pager. And I was like, Dad, text me this if he's guilty. Text me this if he's not guilty, which he did. Pissed off all the white girls in my all-girls private school because I was cheering when OJ got off. I didn't know. I thought he was innocent, y'all. <laughs> we, I did. What? You think he's innocent? No, not now. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm just saying then. Nah. 
yeah. I definitely thought he was innocent. That glove didn't fit. I was sold on the glove and the hat. You were sold. If it don't fit, you must have quit. It was like the blood droppers didn't make sense. I was like, uh, I don't know. But, you know, I was in college when that Let went, me tell you, that down, shout so. out to Johnny Cochran and may he rest in power. Because yeah. Because he was a hell of a lawyer. Wasn't he, though? Mm-hmm. Um, so you decide to, you know, pursue law. Did you know immediately what kind of law you wanted to pursue? No. I changed so many times. I, um... You will appreciate this. I um, loved basketball, loved Fat Five, which we've talked about a gazillion mm-hmm. times, and was like, I want to be a sports agent, especially when Jerry Maguire came out. I was like, I want to do sports entertainment. I'm going to do this. I took a sports entertainment law class um, in undergrad, and my goddad, who is a pastor, one of my godparents is a pastor, and we had a football player that went to our church at Seahawk. So he introduced me to him, like, right after the benediction at church and told him, like, I wanted to be a sports agent and, like, could he tell me anything about how he engages with his sports agent? What would it take for him to hire me? This fool, as soon as my pastor, goddad, walked away, says, well, if you're going to be my agent, what you going to give me? Right after the benediction at church. I was like, bye, Satan. (laughs) I'm actually not going to do this because if it's high-class prostitution, I'm not saying that all women go through that at all, y'all, but I'm saying how I felt in that moment. I did not feel safe. I was like, this is not for me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I changed that. I was good at mock trial in law school. I was like, I'm going to be a trial lawyer, go work at the Cochran Firm. Had an offer to work at the Cochran Firm. My last semester of law school, he died. And so I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to have to change. So I went into politics. And I had a great internship the semester before with Congresswoman Waters. Yeah, I was going to ask you about mm-hmm. that. Um, what was it like oh interning for the Auntie Maxine? You know, I feel like I have been so spoiled, not just because of the positions and the people who I've gotten to work with, but because everyone let me try to do something. Like, I remember arguing with, a, like, a decades uh, of experienced lawyer um, with legal aid in L.A. on issuing an emergency in- injunction to keep this trauma-, trauma center open at King Drew. And Congresswoman Waters let me fight that. I'm a lawyer. I mean, a law student. Not even a lawyer yet. Like, I really think we should take this route. I think it's the only way to preserve this hospital. Like, yes, we could do the protest, but let's also do this. And she was like, you need to talk to her. Fight her. Tell her. Not like fight her like that, but like argue with her, debate with her, and make your points. And like, I love that she was like, you're not afraid. Like, let's go, you know? And she let me try so much working with her office. So you saw early on that what political engagement, the benefit of it. Um, I'm sure, especially now, unfortunately, you hear probably far too many people who are very disillusioned by the state of politics right now, the state of this current... Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) honestly, yeah. Yeah. So do you still... Has that that hope and that those original reasons uh, that you wanted to get into politics, have you been able to maintain those despite the difficulty of the time that we're living in right now? I feel like they've evolved. And it's not finished, right? Um, I think that I had, uh, Sarah Palin put it, the hopey, changey feeling, right, when Barack Obama was there about what was possible. And I feel like it's not just a dream deferred right now. It's like a dream snatched, like stolen, you know. And to be in our um, 400th year of being here, at least the first documented person being here, to go back to a time where it feels snatched and stolen is unreal, unsettling, and traumatic in, like, the worst ways. 
And so what that leads me to believe is that there are things about my process, things about um, my optimism about approaching the political process that probably just have to die off so I can step into what is going to be new for us. Um, and that means I have to stop throwing the tantrum and pouting. You know, like there is no other choice but to get in the game. We cannot sit on the sidelines and talk about how crooked this dude is or talk about um, how, you know, dumb and terrible and awful the Republicans are for, you know, letting this happen or how feckless Democrats are for taking this long to impeach on boy. But the reality of it is, is like, yo, there's so many other th things happening on a local and state level that we need to be engaged in. There are ways that we can upset and change um, and force a paradigm shift in the political process, like what the squad is doing. I'm so grateful for how they show up unabashedly, unashamed, being exactly who they are with boldness and courage. Even if I don't agree with everything they say, I love that they're unafraid. Like that's exactly what we what we need right now. And you don't have to be in elected office to do that. You can show up like that at a city council meeting um, about an ordinance that you don't support or that's going to harm your neighborhood or the schools around you or, you know, your job. There are so many ways that we can engage that is that. And I believe it's required of us. Um, I don't know why. Um, in our community, except for we don't have a good grasp of our own power, why we would think politics is optional when it impacts every aspect of our lives. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty, I find it to be very ironic. Mm -hmm. As you said, uh, we, um, black folks generally consider it to be optional or mm -hmm. that we somehow are operating outside of politics yep. when everything is connected to That's politics. Right. And as you might imagine, wages, I have, wages. I have this conversation in Taxes. the sports space all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's inherently political. Yeah. So where we consider it optional, what blows my mind is that a lot of white people consider politics to be a game. Yeah. And that's the part that blows my mind. Um, because to them, it's just like, oh, this is disconnected. The people, the Some of the politicians that we have in office seem to truly not understand that you are destroying people's lives mm -hmm. right now. Or mm -hmm. maybe some of them do and they just don't give a fuck. I don't I know. I think they don't care. But they... The way they look at it like it's a game, I'm just looking at them like, are you fucking stupid? Mm -hmm. Like, what is this? Yes. So, is yes. Um, so it can be frustrating. But I hear you. It's in many ways, it was a small thing. But <laughs> and this is not to say I don't I don't hear about mm -hmm. the president every day because I hear about him every hour. But I blocked the president on Twitter, not because I was afraid he was going to follow me, but I did it partly for peace of mind, yeah. because I realized that being so mad and frustrated, mm -hmm. it just was like you, it wasn't really it's getting toxic. me anywhere. It's yeah. just, and it's toxic. And so uh, I had to do that for my own peace of mind yeah. because I didn't want his shit retweeting all in my feed anyway. Yeah. And, um, you know, it just was, it just was kind of better. Like it allowed me to take a break from it at least a little bit. Yeah. And I unfortunately don't have that benefit. Like it impacts like my actual day job, you mm -hmm. know, um, with the political strategy side of what I do and the community engagement side of what I do, it impacts all of that. And so to the point, right, we we can't afford to be disengaged. You can on Twitter, but that's because you're showing up and reading other sources and you have other ways that you are committed to solving the problem long term. Other folks aren't. And I think to the point, there may be some politicians that think that politics is a game, but there are many more. Like everybody, you know, 
not everybody, but there are a lot of folks among us who want to be rich and want to have businesses that are dope and doing incredible things. Guess where they have to engage? The political process. Like, there's no way around it. You know, if there's, you know, some law you want to change or some protest that you want to start, the first thing you have to do is go get a permit. Guess what that's from? An elected official, you know, in the city. At, at every single turn, there is a point that you have to engage politically. And the frustration I have with us is, even if it's not optional, it's like, well, you know you better vote. Voting is one of the few things that you absolutely should be doing, but it's not the only thing you should be doing. And that doesn't show that you're engaged because you went to vote once a year, if you're going that much, right? Do you know when the next special election is? Do you have one? You know, do you know what's on the ballot? Do you know about the census? Like there are so many things where, you know, it's just it's just deep to me. And then it's like, well, I want to go trace my lineage. Well, guess what? If you go on and you trying to find out who you are, where you came from, if any of your ancestors set out the census, you know, like you're not going to find some of the information that you're really hoping for. Don't be that ancestor. I'm about to start a hashtag. Don't be that ancestor. <laughs> yeah. I think that could actually catch on. Yeah, maybe the census should have used that. Um, look, I Don't know be your, that ancestor. your time is short and it's a lot I want to get to, but we're going to take a, a quick break because I definitely want to... Um, I want to ask you uh, about some of the current candidates and uh, about your sophisticated ratchet behavior. <laughs> <laughs> You've been engaging in that. Yes. Time. And I have some fun questions for you because I feel like you don't get asked enough fun questions. We always asking you to solve racism, solve the entire political process. So <laughs> I want you to solve okay. something on a much smaller level. We're going to talk about some love and hip hop. Um, oh, so Lord. more with Angela Ryan when we come back. So I love the the phrase you coined, sophisticated ratchet, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure people can guess means sophisticated and ratchet. We hope I, they can guess. Yes. Mm -hmm. I am curious. What is the most sophisticated ratchet thing that you do, Angela? Hmm. Well, the sophisticated thing I do is go to work. Um, the ratchet thing I do is maybe go and stretch pants. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a little bit. A little bit? Okay. What is this most sophisticated ratchet thing I do? Yeah. <laughs> Don't There's so much. Did like, you do I that think many sophisticated ratchet Yeah. Okay. I feel like, you know, what I listen to, I feel okay. like, you know, <laughs> lingo with my friends. Like, what you know, you can go in and out. Of, like, you can be on a professional conference call and it switch like that real fast. Um I feel like I when you, know. Bakari, and April Ryan get together, y'all do some sophisticated. And Andrew. You got to watch yes. Andrew. Don't sleep on yes, Andrew. Right. Andrew's shady trees over here. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Perhaps but, a new show coming to CNN? No. I, you know what's so ridiculous? We don't know who put it in page six. We have our ideas. Okay. But no, there's not been any conversation whatsoever. I think a lot of us show. were willing that to be the case. Because yeah. we love your chemistry. You're like, we would love to see some black people on we there regularly. Would. Yeah. On any cable news network. Work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I no, it. but that I think that's that's probably why. I and mean, you guys are all not just you know individually. Brilliant, it was like an, it was a great. revolutionary moment when they put us all on together during the debates, and it was. I think it was like that's really dope that this is a revolutionary moment. But this is also really sad that this was like a revolutionary. Moment. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like come on, y'all. It's white boys on TV all the, on and on all white panels every single uh, show. Like this should not be revolutionary. We needed, you but guys. hopefully it changes the game for on every network. That I hope. So, because yeah. um, we needed you guys to 
properly put into context why Cory Booker's Kool-Aid joke yeah! <laughs> needed to be clowned. <laughs> Corey needed- was mad. We love you, Corey. But he was mad about that. He's like, always black folks taking a brother down. I was like, Corey, you you ruined the joke. Yes. He did. I told him, I had him on the podcast not too long ago, and I told him the same thing. That did I, you tell him to fix I it? I stood in solidarity. I gave him some new phrases. He didn't use any of them because no, they were probably No, but you should have been like, I'm going to give you a chance right here, right now. <laughs> fix it. Go. <laughs> he realized that he over-enunciated. No, it's not even that. He said it wrong. I can't remember what he said, but it was like, you all in the Kool-Aid, but you don't don't know know the the flavor. That's what you're supposed to say. But he said, you're all up in the Kool-Aid, but you don't know what's happening or something like that. Oh, oh, no. You know what he he did? His explanation was that- Dipping and dapping, don't know what's (laughs) happening, was what we used to say. His explanation was he was translating. That was his answer. Corey, I'm not going to drag anymore because you were mad at us last time. But Jesus. You, I think he combined the two. I don't, am I the only one that used to say dipping and dapping and don't know what's happening? That's a new one. I never heard of that one. What? Yeah, no. Well, you he sounds saying, like he's been exposed to it because that was the whole end. Right. He had the front of the Kool-Aid. Anyway. <laughs> he tried. Yes. Okay. He did. As I told him, as long as it was red Kool-Aid, it's all good. Yeah. If he knows the flavor <laughs> he knows is the, red. It's red. We're the good. He red. can be redeemed. Black grape, card won't be revoked. <laughs> grape is maybe acceptable no you have to say what is the, is there what color what, purple you can't say fruit punch no you, you gotta, gotta say, say red. red that yeah that covers what tropical they covers literally all of them strawberry all but of did them. your family used to put orange slices in the punch bowl to make it look like that was fancy punch no because we we was too damn broke for that well we didn't have kool-aid at my like my parents house that's when we had the bigger family gatherings and i'd be like why can't we have this at my house my mom be like you're not drinking that sugar <laughs> <laughs> she trying to see. She trying to just totally stunt your your black growth I right agree. there. I um, agree, Mom. What's up with that, Mom? Speaking of uh, Cory Booker, so what is the disconnect with black millennial voters? Because that's a whole other. Because when you when I look at these uh, some polls I've looked at breaking down black voters in particular, of course we know Mima and them. We already know <laughs> where they vote. Right? It's Mima and them going with Biden. That's just how Meemaw. it is, right? Yeah. Um, but the level of undecideds among young black millennials, or so many that I even talk to, just anecdotally, who don't have a whole lot of interest in voting. I think they're stepping into their power. Mm-hmm. You talked about Mima and them. I think these the older black voters have decided that their voices don't matter, that um, their issues as a primary concern aren't a way, a pathway to a victory, and it's sad. It is, again, it's the worst kind of slave mentality, and I don't think that we have to be there. I'm not saying all of them suffer from slave mentality for wanting to support Biden, but I would tell them to come up with 10 things that they personally care about that he touts. I don't know that he doesn't. I just want to know if they've considered it. It's like literally nothing. It, 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 Have he you is, considered it? He is truthfully, I mean, and I, I hate saying this because I don't have anything against Joe Biden yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. But the reality is like, he wrote the crime bill and some of the things that he said during the course of this campaign have been frankly troubling. Like at least the thing is Hillary Clinton actually apologized for her role in the crime bill. Yeah. Joe Biden is still like, nah, it was good. It was like, wait, what? Yeah. Bernie Sanders voted for it. Okay. Yeah. And I can't get, I truly can't understand the infatuation with Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. Right. So it just, it just seems like this moving line. That's, I don't know why there's so much faith and investment in 
people who have not, whose agendas for our community have not even been there. Biden hasn't pitched anything. Yeah. And Zero. he's actually said he's not going to have a black agenda, which I think is like at this day and age where a Pete Buttigieg has a Douglas plan. All the candidates is essentially, not all, but a lot of them have addressed reparations. All of them. Yeah. yeah. For the uh, most part. Yeah. And, that's, and that is, I think, troubling. And then the other issue that I have going back to your point around about millennials um, stepping into their power, I think it's okay to be undecided because people have not earned your vote yet. Make them earn your vote. I don't care who it is. I don't care what they look like. Make them earn your vote. And I think they're right to say, I don't know. What I think they're not right to do is to say, I don't care. And I don't know any millennial that I've talked to that says they don't care. Yeah. I think that's a, there's a difference. All right. One final political question before we get to the fun stuff and then get you <laughs> up out of here. Uh, so you think the Democratic nominee will be who? I don't know. I don't know. Um, if it were held today, it looks like it would be Biden. There's a new poll out that says Biden has regained his lead over Elizabeth Warren. Um, we know it last week it would have been Warren. It is a wide open field. Um, back in the day, we used to say, ain't nothing but space and opportunity. <laughs> it's that right now. Yeah. And I think that they should use that, um, use their resources accordingly. Um, Biden's cash on hand is low. Um, he needed this poll so that he could raise where he needs to raise. Um, Pete Buttigieg, I think, is wrestling with uh, Joe Biden on who can out moderate moderate the other one and I think um that's tough in a dynamic where Democrats I, I think the party overall is shifting more progressive um I say I I don't know that I'm a Democrat but I typically vote Democratic I've never voted for a Republican um but I want to maintain um a spirit of independence because I don't want anybody owning my vote without earning my vote so um yeah right now I think it's wide open I don't have a air apparent for you and I think it would be dangerous for us to do that it hasn't served us well mm. that's a word alright so I like Get to put it down a, and tweet it girl <laughs> I like to play a game with <laughs> the guest here on the podcast it's called this or that okay I'm gonna give you two choices come on black sheep <laughs> come on black sheep <laughs> yeah I know we'll, one day, maybe that'll this be intro music one day this, All right. yeah if you can get it licensed yeah well a, you got Spotify yeah, yeah that's right Spotify but you also got Spotify make it happen Spotify yeah hook it up Um, you get two choices you don't get to create more choices. You don't get to say like, well, what if, is it 80 degrees? You know, I don't like to be told what to do. I know, but okay, I'm, I'm telling gonna, you. I'm going to try. I'm gonna try. <laughs> All right. I'm telling you what to do. Um, and, you know, nothing, no big deal. Just the fate of humanity. I want this different world shirt that okay. you have on. All right. Since we're doing this well, or that. I was do, just warming up. If you do well, then I, I might find a way to get you one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Jalen Rose or Chris Webber? That is so disrespectful. I know. I did. I did. We See? can't do this. Yes, we're doing this. Two okay. choices. Wait, so which, <laughs> how, which one do I say this or that? Or do I just pick one? Pick one. But this I don't have to that. say this or that. I no, just pick one. You pick one. Jalen or Chris? Fab Five. That's not a, that's not a choice, <laughs> Angela. That's not a choice. <clears throat> okay, can I have a reason for why? You want to state your reason why? You're yes. picking this person? Yes. Yes, you can do that. Okay. Chris Weber. Because I want to talk to him about, can y'all please make up and let me and Jamel host this special? He's the, he's the stubborn holdout. We need to get to him, Jamel. Chris, if you're listening, come on. That's the homie. We're going to bring back the Nike stuff and everything. There's money to be made on this, Chris. <laughs> come on. I'll allow it. Okay. Who do you think would be a better space partner, Cory Booker or Kamala Harris? 
<laughs> Kamala. She went to Howard. <laughs> she better be, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And she, AKA. Wait, I know. Wait, Corey's going to be like, really? First is like the Kool Aid. Now I can't play spades. Mm. But truthfully, I'm better at dominoes than spades. Uh, well, you're from Seattle, right? Yep. So West Coast. West Coast. West Coast that makes all sense. day. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, four more years of Donald Trump Mm-mm. or the election of Andrew Gillum and Stacey Abrams? Definitely Andrew and Stacey. Okay, you would have nope. taken four more years of Trump if those two were elected. No, wait. That's the question. Would you would you take four more years of Trump? Wait, start, if you knew... starting from the last election or right now? <laughs> this is starting from this right is now. Technically, not the election time. Straight, starting from right now. Ugh. Like if when Andrew and Stacey were both running for governor, if somebody would have told you, Angela, these two will be governor of oh, their respective man. states, but you got to take four more years of Trump. I think that um, I would pick them winning. And that sucks. Like, my stomach just dropped, and it's not because I would. First of all, they won. Let's start there. Let's start there. But um, them actually getting to be sworn in as governor, governors, I think I would take. Especially Florida Ooh, and Georgia. That makes me Ooh. so nauseous. I know. But that's like. But it's you... so necessary. Like, the, all those felons, I'm sorry, the uh, reentering citizens, I apologize, y'all. I really did say that. Like, I don't have any good sense. But all of them reentering would have had their full voting rights in Florida. And so the power that that would have resulted in in both of those states, man. Oh and none of the abortion law in Georgia. The abortion law and the voter suppression and issues. And the voter suppression issues. The roles wouldn't be purged. Yeah, I would take empowering all those people of color. And I wholeheartedly folks. agree. Man. I would have to. Um, I know. It's disgusting, but I would have to. Um, Black Thought or J. Cole? Black Thought. I love J. Cole, but Black Thought is, that's, man. Mm. Uh, Aretha Franklin or Whitney Houston? Mm. That's called Jamel. I know. I know. Um, but I'll, I do love you. <laughs> I'll pick Whitney since Aretha just had the documentary that just dropped. I'll pick Whitney. Okay. Um, I know more Whitney songs, so I'll definitely pick Whitney. Than Aretha songs? Mm-hmm. Okay. And but finally, oh, you're going to really hate me for this. I already hate you. you <laughs> yeah, no. This, this, might, be the, this and might be the worst Weber. best question I asked you. The I'm worst like, best question? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You might full on cuss me out. <laughs> Get ready, y'all. All right. What's your prayer language coming in three, two? Okay. <laughs> Dinner with Joe Walsh or Amarosa? Neither. <laughs> that ain't the crisis. It's this or that. Pick one. <laughs> You're going to dinner with Joe Walsh. <laughs> I mean, like I would never sit down with either one of them. At least I didn't say Candace I'm Owens. Not, well, I'm not like, who? <laughs> no, nobody. Who? Nobody. Girl, nobody. stop giving her. Nobody. I think that that's a white man underneath that. I think that she pulls her face off at night and that's like a white Scooby-Doo. man. Like Scooby-Doo. Yes. No, not Scooby-Doo. Like the ghosts in Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Scooby-Doo didn't pull but, but his remember, face off. No, no. Remember at the end of Scooby-Doo, it would be somebody. That's the ghosts. The people that were, they were hunting. They were yeah. Killed, yeah. 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 That's true. They'd be like, and I would have got away with it if it wasn't for those damn kids. It's like. Yeah, that's her. <laughs> and maybe Omarosa, too. She's <laughs> nah. supposed to be a first lady of somebody's church. What, what church is this so I can never In go there? Jacksonville. Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm on the board of um, Wilberforce University with her husband. <laughs> yeah, let's talk off air about this. 
<laughs> you, you asked me. I did. You I wanted did. to talk about this or that. Yeah, I know. And I tried to give you none of the above, so then you sent me down a, to a place. I did. I sent you to a place, Angela. I'm my sorry, bad. Lord Jesus. I know. I'll now be you have on to the go altar pray. this coming Sunday. Now you have to pray. Well, look, Angela. I the know doors you... of the church are now open. They're not open. <laughs> Is there one? Yes. Is there one? There needs to be both of us. Bring <laughs> Jam- both bringing of us Jamel are coming through me. the doors. <laughs> Angela, thank you for spending some time with me. Um, we'll definitely have to catch up. Uh, especially once there's a nominee, for sure. Because yeah. I know you're going to have hot, but very um, poignant, brilliant takes. About- I want to know what you say about that, but I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And more conversations. Know, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, and happy milestone birthday, too. Thank you, sis. Yeah. I appreciate it. So I'm sure that... I uh, haven't had a crisis yet. Just pray. That it no, come. you won't have one. Okay. So thank you for joining <laughs> me, Woke Bay. Don't think I forgot about your nickname. <laughs> I'm so glad you didn't say that. Are we? Can we still say woke? I feel yeah. like we can't say it anymore. I know it's getting a little used, mm-hmm. right? But I, but I have to say, woke bay is a great. They'll day. be like, "Do you have the next door app? You woke." No. <laughs> Anytime it starts going down that road, you're yeah. like, "All right." It's they gentrified over. it. Yeah. There's no question. Exactly. They did, but it's inappropriate. People nicknaming you woke bay was a great name. It was at the time. At the time, yes, it was. very well. She's she's a little. More I'll good. allow. She'll allow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Angela's getting out of here, um, but I'll be back for the final segment. Y'all know what's coming next. Fuck it, I'm bothered. There was a very sad story in the news recently that really struck a chord with me. The rapper Juice World died after having a seizure in Chicago's Midway Airport, which was first reported by TMZ. Witnesses said he was bleeding from the mouth when paramedics got to the scene and he was later pronounced dead uh, at the hospital. Juice, whose real name is Gerard Anthony Higgins, was just 21 years old. 21 his career was taken off. His song, Lucid Dreams, hit number two on the charts just last year. He was signed to a multi-million dollar deal with Interscope Records. It struck me because both of my parents are recovering addicts. And as I feared, especially upon hearing about the circumstances surrounding his death, drugs were likely involved in Juice's death. Because according to TMZ, the private jet that Juice was on had 70 pounds of marijuana. And sources also told TMZ that Juice had taken several unknown pills on the flight. Now, Juice has admitted to using lean and taking Percocet. And while the cause of death hasn't officially been determined as of the taping of this podcast, fucking I'm already bothered by the conversation that has developed around this young man's unfortunate death. Now, there's a huge conversation right now in this country about opioid abuse and prescription pill abuse in general. But let's just keep it real. This largely has been framed as a significant problem in white America. And not surprisingly, there's a whole lot more sympathy for white addicts. Suddenly, people want to talk about prevention and drug treatment. I've seen countless stories in mainstream media about the opioid problem. When the crack epidemic hit, you didn't see a lot of sympathy. There was a whole lot of conversation about punishing addicts through the criminal justice system. That's how we wound up with different sentencing for powder cocaine versus crack cocaine. That's how we wound up with the war on drugs and mass incarceration. It was not painted as a nationwide problem. It was painted as a black problem. So as we address this opioid crisis in this country, we can't make that same mistake by viewing it through the lens of it just being a problem in white America. And unfortunately, hip hop is giving us a window to see that this is really a wide reaching issue. 
My favorite rappers certainly weren't innocent. They rapped about selling crack, drinking, robbing people, all those things. But outside of smoking weed, rarely did you hear a rapper from my era talk about being a hardcore drug user. Rappers weren't bragging about smoking crack or shooting heroin. At most, you might hear some of them brag about ecstasy. But that's not the case today. This generation of rappers is completely comfortable talking about Molly, Percocet, codeine cough syrup, Xanax, being on all sorts of things. Some of them, thankfully, have been candid about their addiction issues. Meek Mill and Vic Mensa, they come to mind. Now, I know Juice isn't the only rapper to lose his life this way. What happened to Mac Miller was equally tragic. But thankfully, this generation of hip-hop artists have been much more open about their mental health issues, which has spurred a lot of these addictions. Uh, that desperately needs to continue because we don't and we shouldn't have to lose anyone else. Stay unbothered. Jamel Hill is Unbothered is produced by Spotify Studios and Unbothered Inc. and recorded and edited by Rich Burner and Cadence 13. Ashley Van Horn is our head of talent. Evan Dick is our executive producer. Jesse Burton is the executive producer for Spotify. And Denise Holly is the program manager. Our theme music is provided by Corey Greenleaf and Ben Darwish. You can find more from me on Twitter and Instagram at Jamel Hill. Jamel Hill.